Oregon brought in another top 10 recruiting class for the 2024 cycle, and it could still get better. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase brian smith is with me today our locked on recruiting insider here at the network brought to you of course by linkedin jobs our official recruiting sponsor at the locked on podcast network brian oregon's class is inside the top 10 for the second year in a row great place to be another good signing day for oregon they're not going to be short on talent as they go into the big 10 which we'll talk about more later on today's show but the name that is still hanging out there as we record this podcast, is Jordan Seaton, 2024, number one overall offensive tackle, IMG Academy. You're down there in Florida. What's the latest? Maryland is the team that's originally the area he's from that is trying to get him. He had a last-minute visit that was kind of under the radar, and it's kind of mum, like, what's going on? Why didn't he sign? What's the deal? Why didn't he just go ahead and sign with Maryland? Why didn't he go ahead and sign with Colorado? So I would love to know as well. Uh, getting any information out of that camp right now is rather difficult. So do you think that Oregon is still going to be a player there? He's He's been you know tied to Oregon a couple times, and then he, he chose Colorado, but then decided not to sign there. Do you think the buffs are, are even still in the running, or where do you kind of sense that, that he's leaning right now? I would say that is a situation where there's something off, like maybe he had buyer's remorse. Uh, this happens a lot in recruiting because he didn't commit all that long before signing day. So it's still fairly fresh. And then all of a sudden he doesn't sign. Something went off. Uh, something's goofy. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe Maryland again, that's closer to home is a possibility, but he's visited all over the country. So that would be very sudden and very odd because Ohio state, Alabama, you know, Ohio, you know, Tennessee, everybody's recruited him, Oregon, so I, I don't get it. It's a rather unique situation, and I would not put a nickel down on where he's going one way or another. It, it's a position that you always take talent, and any position really is one where, where you always take talent. Offensive tackle, though, is one where I actually feel pretty good about Oregon's depth going forward. So if he does end up choosing the Ducks, which you know we'll, we'll see one way or another, uh, maybe by the time you're listening to or watching this show, whether or not he he's committed – I think he's somebody who comes in and kind of has the Josh Connerly route where he's maybe part of a jumbo package for, for a year, but not a regular starter, but he's, you know, number two on the two deep because if Josh Connerly and a Johnny Cornelius are returning for the ducks at tackle next year, I, I don't see how Seton as talented as he is, is able to step in and, you know, overtake either of those guys in their starting spot. You've got George Silva in there as well, who was the number one Juco offensive tackle on the roster. I, I think there are just a lot of a lot of talented guys in there. But I want to get your big picture reactions as well, Brian, to, to Oregon's uh, National Signing Day. No one flipped away from the Ducks, which I thought was maybe the most impressive part. They had 23 verbal commits going into it. They come out of it with 25, adding two receivers, Jeremiah McClellan from Ohio State, Ryan Pelham 
from, from USC. How is that landing kind of nationally in the recruiting landscape? That's very important from a position perspective because they need speed to replace some of the speed they lost and will be losing over the next couple of years. And I also think it's your point is really incredible. Think about it. You and I talk about this all the time on the show. They don't recruit in-state very much. You figure you're going to lose one or two right down the stretch. It's just kind of anybody. But for Oregon not to lose anybody at all is incredible. So top 10 class, solidified. They got Avon Breedland, who I think is about as good a D-tackle as there is in the country. I think this is the kind of class they can build, and they're pretty much to the point where they're, quote, unquote, an SEC-like program. I know Lanning's kind of talked about that. They're built that way, inside out, with a lot of size and a lot of depth on the D-line. And the offensive tackle position is great. This team was really, really needing some more speed, though, and they got it. I think this is a great program moving forward. Going into the Big Ten, I, I wonder if Ohio State didn't look at, you know, McClellan getting flipped and thinking, oh, boy, now we got to deal with Oregon even more so now that they're in the Big Ten and we can't hold that that card over their heads in uh, in recruiting battles and whatnot. It's been pretty well documented that USC did not want Oregon to go with them to to the Big Ten, and Oregon just happens to take a player from from those two schools there. So as Oregon goes into the Big Ten, what kind of message do you think Dan Lanning and his staff are sending, not just nationally, but specifically to the rest of the conference, which has, I think, 17 other schools in it, to be fair, which is a lot. So it's kind of like sending a national message. But what do you <laughs> what, what do you think the perspective is across the Big Ten as to how people view Oregon with this being their first Big Ten recruiting class and it's well inside the top 10, bordering on top five? I think they're one of the big four now. The other are Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Throw in Oregon. USC, I need to see some consistency after having Kayla Williams and winning seven games. I'm sorry. I know I'm probably going to get shot down for that, but Oregon is way ahead of USC. I don't know if on this channel you're going to get shot down for that, that Brian. <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe if I'm, we were over on Locked On Pac-12, maybe, perhaps. But here, I, I think you're going to have some agreements in the comments section. But it's just, look, if you got Kayla Williams and you win seven games, you've got problems. That's all I'm going to say on that. But Oregon's better built than anybody in the Big Ten, not named maybe Michigan or Ohio State. Penn State's close, but the coaching hasn't been where it needs to be. Oregon's right in there. They could win the Big Ten next year if they figure out the quarter. Like Dylan stays healthy at quarterback, they could win the Big Ten. They've got speed on the outside. We'll talk about McClellan, et cetera. But they've got power up front. They've got more depth than almost anybody in that league. Maybe as much, if not more, on D-line. Like, it's ridiculous. Why couldn't they come in and be in an immediate factor? And the reason, by the way, USC didn't want Oregon is because, A, they, they, they want that same recruiting advantage that Ohio State had. That Big Ten moniker matters. It really does, especially when you're going to be going to the Midwest more. If you're USC or UCLA, now you've got an edge on it, but well, the Ducks are coming too. They're probably going to get a few more guys from the Midwest now. So Oregon is kind of in the national mix to stay, and the Big Ten will help them. That's something we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show, but I want to get to those specific players who, who you mentioned. So you, you talked about Aiden Breland. That was a big get for the Ducks back in October, getting him uh, to sign. And he comes in as a true freshman. We'll see how much he ends up playing, but it's at a position of absolute need. Or Oregon is losing Brandon Dorless and Casey Rogers, and Taki Taimani, and Popo Amavai. I mean, those are your top four defensive tackles, interior players. So that's Crazy, where – Yeah, yeah. And so that's where Oregon is going to have to load up. Is Breland someone you expect to make an impact as a true freshman? I'll put it to you like this. If he doesn't, I would be shocked. And when I say impact, you got you got to – okay, what does that mean? Short yardage, he's 300-plus. 
he has a chance. It's up to him. As far as playing in high-pressure situations, he played at modern day. For the prep, prep level, you could make an argument in the last 40 years it's the most impactful program in the United States. He's used to that, playing in the Trinity League down there, going against Bosco, traveling around to different places. And then finally, he's just a really good athlete. If he doesn't find his way on the field, it will be more about Breland or just something like getting an ankle sprain or something. The talent and size are absolutely there. We'll talk about Jeremiah McClellan as well. The Ohio State flip that Oregon landed at wide receiver, who Steve Wiltfong is extremely high on. He is coming into a rather deep, though inexperienced, perhaps, uh, wide receiver room. Could he play as a true freshman? You could be playing as a fan at a game. I know you're not literally playing, but you could be at a game with game time because you shouldn't have to worry about buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from their seat and views from your seat and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total up front. So you know, you're getting a great deal without the hidden fees and you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps download the game time app create an account and use that code locked on college for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem code l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-c-o-l-l-e-g-e that's locked on college for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed All right, continuing along here with Brian Smith, I heard Steve Wiltfong say that Jeremiah McClellan, who in the 24-7 sports composite is a very highly rated four-star receiver. I think his composite grade is actually similar to what Troy Franklin had uh, and Dante Thornton as well. One of those guys, of course, worked out more than the other, but the one who did has worked out pretty darn well. He said that McClellan is among the most ready to contribute wide receivers I heard that same narrative about jury on Dickey last year and Dickey might've been banged up. We don't really know there there's been some speculation about that, but I don't think anyone knows for certain, but jury on Dickey did not play meaningful snaps for Oregon this year. Do you expect Jeremiah McClellan to do so at wide receiver? A little bit different players. McClellan is a burner. I think they can use him in ways that are different than Dickey. Uh, the jet sweeps and the little waggle pass on the flat, different things. And they can probably work him into the rotation in general. They've got talent at receiver, as I know you're, you're well aware. But he's a niche guy for the short term at minimum. How much a receiver, A, picks up the playbook and how well they get along with the new quarterback is something you can't grade, though. Those are the biggest factors on whether they play early. There's no way to know. You're, you're guessing. But he is a speed guy. He's been on the scene for a couple of years. Everybody knew about him when he was a sophomore in high school. I would be surprised if they didn't find a way landing in the Ducks to get him in the rotation. I, I think about, you know, Jerry on Dickey on the one hand didn't do a whole heck of a lot, but then there are other examples, you know, Troy Franklin, for instance, played as a true freshman and, and he was someone who wasn't, I mean, Oregon's 2021 offense didn't really use the wide receivers a whole heck of a lot, but Troy Franklin was involved. He was a contributor and made plays throughout the season. And then it, that, of course, took a big step forward in 2022 and 2023. I also think of guys like Zachariah Branch, who was a five-star wideout that went to USC this past year. And he was fantastic. I think he got hurt at some point uh, yeah, throughout the year. 
But when he was playing, I mean, he was their kick and punt returner. He was electric, and he was a big part of their offense. And, you know, it was primarily stuff kind of around the line of scrimmage, but he was just so explosive and dynamic. He, he stepped in and, you know, contributed for them right away. And that's a team that brought in Doreen Singer from Arizona, and Branch, I think, was ahead of him on the depth chart. And, and he was getting more looks and more targets and was more involved. So I don't think it's impossible for a true freshman to contribute. I think it is tough, though. Oregon's receiver room, you got a bunch of talent with Dickey, Kyler Casper there, Treshawn Holden, Tez Johnson probably back, Gary Bryant Jr. as well. But you don't have you know a ton of experience there. So when you talk about McClellan and say, well, he's a bit of a niche sort of guy, can he become that kind of number one go-to wide receiver as his career progresses? If he can beat bump coverage, absolutely. The reason most of the big-bodied receivers don't play right away is they, they play on the line and they get jammed a lot as freshmen. Your technique, they all think they know what they're doing as freshmen. Not necessarily. Uh, if you can play in the slot and play off or you're in motion, they can't jam you. There's a reason, like Branch, I've stood next to him. He's not the biggest guy. But you can't catch him in a phone booth. So if he's playing off the line of scrimmage in the slot, you got to pick your poison on how you cover him. Or anybody, it's twitchy like he is. I think they can use McClellan in that role. It's almost, you brought up a great example. There, there's one branch, by the way. That's still a whole nother, like he's freakazoid. But at the same time, McClellan's fast. He can do a lot of the same things. If you just want to run jet, jet sweeps, screens, short passes, and slants, he can take one to the house on a three-yard slant. If one guy is out of position, he'll score. And with Oregon's running game, it's hard to cover those kind of players because you're dividing so much of your defense down into the box. This is why speed matters so much. It changes the run game and everything a defense does. A couple more players I want your film thoughts on uh, before I get to a couple of mailback questions regarding uh, the geography and what our one question in, in particular there. Kobe Savage, the transfer from Kansas State at, at safety, and Jay Harris comes over uh, as a running back via the portal this year from Northwest Missouri State. Division two, Northwest Missouri State. You don't see a lot of D2 guys out there compared to FCS transfers, junior college transfers. Why do you think that is? Talent. There's a reason they ended up in D2 out of high school. Uh, that's usually the reason. Or they got in trouble. Uh, academically, whatever it is, there, there was something that went there. And sometimes it's just late growth spurt, too. Sometimes like an offensive tackle might be 6'4", 240, then he's 6'6", 305. And they're like, oh, look at this. So there, there are a couple of different reasons. But if you dominate, you dominate. The kid that's at Missouri, he was a kid at some small school, and he ended up leading the SEC, I believe. I mean, it can happen. It's just – it's a little bit random. There have been some guys do it. Like Jared Verse at Florida State, he was at Albany. I mean – That's I an FCS – that's an, and, and that's an FCS program. Exactly. I mean, like, did anybody really think about him ending up there and being a big-time player? He's from Dayton, Ohio. He didn't have any MAC offers. He grew up 45 minutes from Ohio State. Wasn't on their radar. It happens. And he's going to be, uh, what, the number one defensive end taken off the draft board from Florida State in the 2024 draft? Could be. I mean, at worst, he goes third out of those guys. But yeah. You're probably right. Like, you know, on a bad day, he goes third defensive end. He's good. So sometimes this happens, man. If Oregon feels comfortable, they did their evaluation on and off the field, we're good. That, that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, Lanning knows how to evaluate. So I'm not worried about him doing it. Some other schools, I'd be a little more concerned. Yeah, He's got a track record because who he's worked with. Well, and I think the other thing, too, with, with Harris, you know, he's a running back. So that means who else is evaluating him? Carlos Lachlan. 
He's I, tremendous. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we've we've got full faith and confidence in that guy for good reason. He has been great with recruitment. He has been great with development, production, He's- consistency. Bucky Irving, here's a great stat for you, Brian. Bucky Irving fumbled against Utah, and uh, it was a great play by the Utah defensive tackle back in, I think that game was in uh, November or October. But the defensive tackle, essentially, as he's going to the ground, you know, rips the ball out, like got his arm because of how he happened to fall on Bucky Irving. He rips the ball out and takes it away. Ball never actually hit the turf. The Utah guy just took it away from him. Yeah. Oh, no, it was a fantastic play. That is the first and only fumble by Carlos Lachlan running back since he arrived at Oregon last year. They have not put the ball on the ground. And when you look at – when you think about that and the production that they've had – I, I, I just, you know, Noah Whittington was a somewhat unknown at Western Kentucky. Guy looks awesome. And, and you look at the way Jordan James has improved. You look at the way that Bucky Irving has produced. Like, he's just been there, and I, I trust him implicitly. But uh, wondering if you have any thoughts on Kobe Savage, two-time all-conference guy from Kansas State over the last couple of seasons, comes to the Ducks via the portal. I don't see anything with him other than that's a plug-and-play starter who can play at a high level. I mean, sometimes it, if it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And, yes, this is a pun, but he's just a great <laughs> football player. He's going to play. And, by the way, in all due respect, they don't have as much talent as many of the other schools in that league, and they still end up in the top four every year. They're well coached. He's going to come in with a higher level of discipline, I guarantee you, than just about any transfer that the Oregon Ducks could get. I like that kid just because he played at Kansas State. It's not easy to win there. They find a way, man. I, that, that program is really good. I'm curious if Lanning and his staff use him at both spots. Like, there's not as much as strong in a free anymore, but will he play him in different roles than he would have in the Big 12? Because yeah, Big 10 wow. is, is unique now because it's so broad. I think it's sure. a, I, I think that's a great question. The way that I look at it is Oregon's safety room is simply just void of experienced talent going into next year, which is why he's going to be a plug-and-play guy. You're losing Steve Stevens, who is a veteran. You're losing Evan Williams, who came over from Fresno State and was second-team All-Pac-12. Tysheem Johnson has been kind of that star nickel spot, you know, who who plays in the safety if you only have uh, two corners on the field, and he plays more down around the line of scrimmage. I think they're bringing in Savage to be an over-the-top playmaker. You know, he's got six interceptions over the last two seasons. Oregon safeties, all of the safeties over the last two seasons have nine combined. And that's looking at like six different players. So I think that his coverage skills and his range is someone is, is why he's someone who comes in to fit playing over the top. I don't think he's brought in to be down around the line of scrimmage. Oregon's got guys who I think can do that, especially Taishin. The only thing with that is I wonder, because he's such a good player, if there's a specific slot guy or tight end that, okay, this is their dude, that he might get some extra assignment. And when you have special players, you can give them a unique role for a game. And that's why you bring them in. That's why these kind of kids get the NIL money. You've got to be versatile in today's game as a DB because you don't know who's lining up in front of you. If they mix and match different, you know, you could have a fullback, you could have a receiver, you could have a running back. And he's the kind of kid that can handle any of that. Yeah, and uh, you can handle any sort of question, right, about recruiting. Anything we could possibly want to ask you, and we're going to ask Brian just that. 
after we talk about FanDuel, of course, because as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app has got a great interface. It's super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you're a new customer and you want that $150 bonus bet, you could put $5 on the Oregon money line. Not the point spread, which is 17 and a half. You could put it on the money line. And if Oregon just wins the game by at least one point, then you get 115 bonus bets just like that. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Get your college football gambling fix as well and spice up bowl season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Brian, last thing for you today is a mailbag question that came in via the subtext community, which is the priority way to get access here on the show. Free 14-day trial, then it's just $5 a month. Certainly not required, though. You get all sorts of perks. YouTube comments or Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. DMs and mentions wide open. Bud asks this question. Given Oregon's impending move to the Big 18, He's not wrong. What changes do you anticipate geographically for both recruiting and transfers? For example, will we see fewer recruits from Arizona, Utah, and Northern California and more transfers from the Midwest and East Coast due to playing there and greater TV visibility? I I don't know that I expect to see a, a dramatic shift, Brian, but do you expect to see some sort of change? I have one specific answer, and I think it's his point about the TV. Um, and I'm not sure how they're going to do this because the West coast teams are probably going to come up on the short end of this, but they're going to play games in the Midwest, more East coast time zones. They're going to get more exposure. That's good. So they may not get numbers more out there, but I bet they get higher quality. They'll have more selection, which is I'm sure landing would sign right now. Even if it's just one kid a year that you get to D tackle a safety, a corner, whatever, that's the difference. Cause they're already at a really high level. I mean, there's very little more they can go up. It's just being selective. You have to be careful what you say yes to when you're constantly in the top 10 or recruiting rankings or with the portal as well. So I think they will maybe get a few more kids from the Midwest and East that they didn't before and maybe another bump up too. They Like if they beat Ohio State in the Big Ten title game next year, that helps you in a way with those kids that it just wouldn't if you won the Pac-12. It's just true. So they're always going to be a West Coast school because that's where they're located. This will help them back east and in the Midwest with recruiting and possibly the portal too. Yeah, I, I, I want to ask you one final question about the, the transfer portal on that front because Oregon's been able to get portal kids from you know Oklahoma going into the Big Ten here. Bo Nix came from the SEC. Like, There's always been a big range. Do you think that going into the Big Ten – you know, the coaching staff will get, you know, an up close look at some guys on other Big Ten schools and think to themselves, yeah, we want to go after those kids and we might not have had them on our radar before. Or do you think it's just all about relationships and past ties and, you know, maybe NIL as well? Do you think we'll see more transfers coming from Big Ten schools as the Ducks go into the conference? I do because you're just going to know more players. There's nothing like firsthand evaluation. Spencer, that's coaches talk about that all the time. They want to see it for their own their own eyes. You know what I mean? Like kid comes to your camp or you go to their high school game, seeing it live is different, especially when it comes to speed. So there may be a kid that they like that plays well against them. And then three months later, they're in the transfer portal. 
Well, we've already seen him live. That certainly helps. So that, that's a possibility. And also, again, if you're a Big Ten member, it's more likely that somebody that's played in the Big Ten would want to play for you. Brian Smith is our Locked On Recruiting Insider. More to come here on the show, but we'll relieve Brian of his duties today. Great stuff as always. Brian, we appreciate it. Take care, brother. Thank you very much. Now, Brian may not be here anymore for the rest of today's show, but as Jordan Belfort, portrayed by Leonardo DiCaprio, famously said in The Wolf of Wall Street, the show goes on! Because we got some more mailbag questions to get to. All right, more questions from Bud, who gets priority access because he's over at Subtext. Appreciate you over there. With Oregon's recruiting success yesterday and the number of early enrollees, along with the additions through the, through the transfer portal, how do you think this will impact the number of outgoing ducks in the portal, either now or in the spring, after players get a better idea where they are in their positional pecking order? We're going to see more departures in the spring. I think Keith Brown is the most notable example of that from a season ago. You know, he'd stuck around with Oregon. He said a couple days before he left, yeah, I'm, you know, this is where I want to be, this is where I am. And then I think a depth chart came out or they had a scrimmage at practice and he realized, oh, wait, I'm not going to play as much as I feel like I should. So he transfers to Louisville where he also did not play as much uh, as he probably feels that he should this season. So, you know, the grass can certainly be greener for playing time. It's not always the case, but I think you're going to have a couple kids that that'll depart in the spring. Uh, one of whom I'll, I'll talk about with another question to wrap up today's show. But I, I think that for, for the ducks, you could see maybe a couple entrants after the bowl game, you know, maybe guys want to get an opportunity to play and, uh, put some film on, uh, put some film out there in a nationally televised game in the Fiesta Bowl. I, I, I don't anticipate that much. I think the guys who really wanted to leave have have already left. You know, Triquez Bridges down uh, to Florida, of course. He was looking at Washington once upon a time. He had a funny video where he was uh, recording his dad telling him that he might go to Washington. His dad was just not about it, um, and I, I thought that was funny. But he ends up going to Florida, and you have other guys that that have entered the portal that are that are looking for homes or found some. But I, I don't think you're going to have more than five departures between now and the spring via the portal. I think that you know the incoming class they've got to fight and scrap and claw for playing time, just like the kids who are currently there have to. So. I don't I don't think there'll be a lot more turnover. I, I'd say no no more than maybe five. But if you haven't left now going into the bowl game, I, I don't know that there's a ton of incentive to leave after it unless uh, you get a chance to play in that game. Here's, an, here's a unique question from Bud. You've been asked by ESPN to present an episode idea featuring a compelling story about some aspect of University of Oregon sports. What would be the main theme you would present and what stories would you tell? Uh, the what ifs, I, I I mean, honestly, the number of times that Oregon has been right there to win a national championship, you know, men's basketball, uh, of course, with the Chris Boucher injury and the Jordan Bell rebound against North Carolina in the final four, the women's basketball. How about that team that, uh, by the way, congratulations to Kelly Graves picked up his 600th career win. Not that long ago, Uh guy's just been winning basketball games as a coach for a long, long time and is an awesome dude. But the women's team having their season tournament or the NCAA tournament canceled because of COVID, I don't know how that team doesn't win a national championship. And then all the ones that we've seen in football, you know, what if Darren Carrington isn't hurt for uh, and Charles Nelson 
What if they're not hurt for the national championship game with with Mariota against Ohio State? What if Dyer is called down? What if Dennis Dixon does get hurt? What if uh, Oregon gets a stop on third and six? No, in 2019, they weren't going to beat LSU. But you, you get the point. You know, it, it would be a story. I think you'd try to find a way to frame it optimistically of, you know, there's going to be that redemption moment. I talked about this in a walkaway reaction video from the Pac-12 title game when I was just walking back to my car. Like at some point in time, all of those what ifs are going to have been worth it for the one moment where Oregon breaks through. And I don't know when that'll be. It looked like it was potentially going to be this year. Maybe it'll be next year. Maybe it'll be 2027. Maybe it'll be 2036. But whenever it is, it'll all have been worth it because of those moments where you just get so close and then you don't quite get there. But I think the story of of progress and having the opportunities, but just coming up short so many different times, when you are on the cusp of, of winning that championship, yeah, I, I think that that would be kind of the biggest story. And then to ask yourself, you know, when does it all become worth it? So that's an uh, interesting question there. This question from James, something to ponder for Locked On Ducks. That's this program. With Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore committing from the portal, Luke Moga as our 2024 and Achilles Smith Jr. as our 2025 quarterback commits, where does that leave Austin Novosad? Are we looking at another transfer out? Yes, it is entirely possible. I fully expect him to, though I am not going to be shocked based on what he said at a press conference recently if he does decide to stick around. You could have easily made the case going into 2023 that Ty Thompson should have transferred out. He didn't. He stuck around. He has since transferred away because Oregon brought in a different transfer, but that happened like I'm sure if you went back and filtered through the YouTube comments or if you thought back to your own opinion coming into this year, you could have readily made the case that, yeah, Ty Thompson should transfer out because he's not going to play. But he stayed. And I think for Novosad, you know, he redshirted this year. So if he sticks around in next year's quarterback room, battles it out and then is down on the depth chart and then decides to transfer, all he will have done is gain more experience learning from a veteran quarterback, this year Bo Nix, and then next year Dylan Gabriel. And then he'd be a redshirt freshman with three years of eligibility if he hit the portal after next season. So I'm certainly not going to be surprised by it. I can see a world in which he wants to stay. And look, it's not as if the kid lacks talent. Like, are we sure that Dante Moore is going to be the starter next year? That would certainly be the indication, given the trajectory of of how things have gone down in the portal. But it's not as if Novoset, I've talked about him on the show before. He's got potential to be a starting quarterback. There's there's no doubt about that. He was not a pretty highly rated four-star recruit by accident. So I think he's someone who uh, whose career is going to be interesting to follow as it pertains to the portal, because he's someone who, if he, you know, maybe gets to play against Liberty at all and looks good. Well, does he then, you know, the next day the portal closes on January 2nd, does he then say, oh, okay, I'll go in the portal. Or does he wait for spring football and see where he falls on the depth chart and whether or not he could beat out Dante Moore to be the backup? I, I think that that's definitely something we'll continue to follow here on the show. Possible that he transfers, not a given. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.